Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. A fun time to be an NFL fan and a guy who does what my next guest does for a living. He follows it. He breaks it down. He watches films. He puts his mock drafts out there, and he does a heck of a job uh, of it. He was on with us uh, about a month ago when we had that much more time and still in evaluative mode. Now only 10 days out. What do we think about who's going in the NFL draft? Eric Edholm from Yahoo Sports, their lead draft analyst, joins us here on CBS Sports Radio. How you been, E? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? Very good. Thank you for uh, jumping aboard for a couple minutes tonight. Sure. Ten days out. Most of the pre-draft visits are done. The combine is now long in our rearview mirror. Those tapes are burning up, but they haven't. Uh, guys haven't been out there on the field playing for months. Yeah. How can players actually move on draft boards at this time, ten days out, or can they even move? Well, yeah, there are a couple exceptions. You know, obviously we're, we're at the phase where, uh, you know, the medical information can still be coming in for players who have injuries and, you know, are in the middle of rehab. Maybe they're able to squeeze in a workout like Drake London, the USC receiver on Friday. And he didn't run a 40, but he did work out, which is important, I think, to see. And, you know, that players come in for visits with teams. You know, we've, we've missed part of that process, uh, you know, during the pandemic. And so, you know, maybe a player comes in and really impresses the team or really turns them off, you know. So it can, you know, individual teams can have different views of players. Players' stocks as a whole largely don't go down or, you know, certainly not up. But down, yeah, if they, they you know, rob the uh, food king or something. <laughs> you know, I mean, if they, they, they do something uh, – illegal or what have you i mean that would certainly change things but yeah for the most part teams boards have been static for a while now at least 95 98 percent of them or something just a, a little bit of late arriving information all right a couple things off what you said um drake london did work out late workout wanted to wait as long as possible because he's rehabbing from an ankle injury at the end of last year did work out but didn't run. We knew he wasn't going to run at the Combine. Most people thought he'd run at his pro day. Chose not to do that either. I saw his quotes. Hey, I, I don't have to show you how fast I am. You could just check the tape and watch me go right. by, guys. Uh, I like his confidence level, but how much do you think it hurts him at all? That there are some overly analytically driven teams that want those data points to look at. The fact sure. that he didn't run, drop him down a little bit? Uh, you know, it could in certain teams' minds, you know, ones that, that maybe put a little bit more emphasis on those those numbers or if they if they watched the tape and felt like his speed was merely average or, or what have you. But, 
you know, he's a bigger, longer target. Obviously, his production this year, albeit in a in a shortened season, he only played eight games and really part of eight games. And uh, but boy, eleven catches a game. I mean, that that speaks for itself on some level. Um, you know, the analytics people also would tell you uh, under True Serum that. You know, he had a pretty young breakout age. You know, he played right away at USC. And, you know, even when it was a more crowded receiver room, he was still getting the ball quite a bit. Um, you know, the other data points, he's still a young guy, certainly favor him. But it's a crowded receiver group this year up top. And there's no mm-hmm. clear-cut number one, right? I mean, we have Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave from uh, Ohio State. I think both are going pretty high. Had Jamison Williams from Alabama not suffered the ACL injury in the national championship game, maybe he's your clear-cut number one. But the injury certainly adds a layer of intrigue. Uh, and then you have, you know, guys like Burks and London and, you know, Jahan Dotson. And, and it's hard to know how they all shake out. I could make a case for, for London being the first receiver off the board if, say, the, you know, Atlanta Falcons or New York Jets want to get a little bit more size in that position. Um, you know, you certainly could see that being a possibility. If the Seahawks move on from DK Metcalf, do they suddenly look at receiver? Is that an option for them? You know, that's kind of the range where I think receivers start going off the board. And it's not clear. I think Garrett Wilson has a chance to be the first one, but I think Olave's going high. That means you could see a scenario where Williams and London end up kind of battling out for wide receiver three honors. And you know, if London's available to play sooner than Williams, does that tip it in his favor? Hard to know. It's probably going to be a, a club-by-club by proposition, but I don't see Drake London falling too far. I really think he's going to safely land inside the top 20, and he may push, you know, for, for the back end of the top 10 or certainly in the early teens. Fair enough. Uh, one thing that you said drew my interest because I just uh, turned back the clock of my head to two years ago when we had basically the COVID draft, which was Roger Goodell from his living room announcing all the picks, which was very weird but also different and intriguing, at least it was for me. But I know what the NFL had to do just to get that draft up and running because uh, COVID hit right after the combine shut down. No individual workouts, no pre-draft visits. It was kind of the NFL drafting in the dark more than anything. And I know for a fact that a lot of players got together with their agents and hired video crews and put together their own individual workout tapes that they shipped out two teams. Now, this is mm-hmm. edited, and you're only going to show, put your best foot forward and show what you could do really well, so you could only put so much emphasis on it. But I know there were guys who actually took that seriously in the league, that if a kid went so hard to, to add it to do it, it showed you about his desire to be in the league, and damn, you can't fake that if he's jumping 46 vertical inches and the like. Right. Does that still on go? It, it probably worked for some players, which means it worked for some agents. So some agents might, who have players now, advise, hey, it can't hurt to send a tape out to each and every single team. Does any of that go on? And when the teams get it, do they actually look at the tape or file it under G? Yeah, it might happen with, with some some lesser rated players or, or players. that You know, the good thing is that every pro day has at least one scout recording the numbers added. I mean, they make sure, you know, that, that – Every single pro day is covered. Every number is verified there. Almost any player worth draft consideration is going to, you know, uh, if they haven't worked out at the combine, for instance, they're going to end up at some pro day. And even, you know, the the division three kids could try to upgrade to a bigger school nearby or something like that, or their hometown. 
obviously now, you know, with, with visits back open and workouts and whatnot, you know, teams have local days. They have their, uh, their allotted 30 individual visits as well. Plus we have, I don't know, about five or six all-star games as well. So there, there are ample ways for, for players to either get tested or to be worked out by teams uh, or to have just eyes on them in the case of the all-star games. But I'm sure it does for, for some players who maybe kind of way below the radar, um, an agent signs somebody and says, you got to look at this guy and, and I'm going to show you what we have. We've got these workout numbers or there's an injury or something like that. But again, for most of these players, given that we're back to a normal cycle here and there really isn't that COVID interruption now, um, I think most of those probably end up in a file drawer somewhere, <laughs> maybe the trash or, you know, at this, at this stage of the operation, uh, most teams have gathered pretty much all the data they can on, on uh, a, a high, high percentage of the players. Eric at home, NFL draft expert for Yahoo Sports, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. All right, one last, and I didn't know we were going to go this far down the road, uh, on COVID draft questions. I know we're two years removed from the seasons being shortened. And then, of course, as I just mentioned, after the uh, combine, having no individual workouts thereafter, so it was very much a compromised draft. But it has had a domino effect. Because of the missed year, teams gave players an extra year. They could stay an extra year, have an extra year of eligibility, which means everybody's going to get pushed back a little bit. Is this the last year we see that? That maybe the draft is a little bit deeper, 250, 260, however many deep they draft, mm-hmm. might have that many more players that can actually get a draftable grade. What kind of a COVID domino effect is there in this year's draft as far as the depth of it? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. I think it definitely applies. You did see players take advantage of that extra year of eligibility, especially a lot of the small school guys who, you know, maybe they were forced to play in the spring or maybe they, you know, sat out the year, whatever it may be. Pretty much everybody was given the extra year. Uh, And I do think this is maybe the last one. I mean, you'll still see somewhat of a minor effect maybe next year, but with some of the younger players and whatnot. But, yeah, I I think where you're going to see this, this draft depth play out, I suspect. Not only will there be a handful of day three picks to maybe surprise, because I don't view this draft as being very top heavy at all. I think this would be a great draft to have like eight or nine picks and five of them are on day three. You know, really, honestly, I think that would be a, a real chance to get some, some sixth round talents in the seventh, some seventh round talents in the undrafted ranks. You're going to see, the, the, the message that I've gotten from some scouting directors is that there will be some players who go undrafted that you think, wow, that's, that's surprising. And it happens every year, but the number may be a little bit higher this year. And I know by that phase, most people have tuned out. They, you know, they look at their team's picks and all that, and maybe they scan over the list of undrafted players. But as we know, historically, there are more undrafted players on NFL rosters every single year then there are first-round picks. That's a fact, and that will remain a fact for a long time. If anything, that number is going to go up because I do think this year's undrafted crop may end up being, you know, it's going to provide two or three more surprises than we normally get uh, in in that in a typical cycle. Because as you pointed out, the 2020 undrafted ranks. I'd have to go back and look. I'm sure there's a couple who have been pretty good, but uh, you know, it was one of the thinner crops in recent years for that very reason. 
Isn't that funny? We're two years removed, and I know uh, I don't want to get into a political conversation about, oh, there's some rising sure. rates in certain parts of the country, and blah, blah, blah. No, uh, we, we certainly are in a better place than we were two years ago when the NFL had to do its draft from Roger Goodell's living room, but there is still <laughs> a, a little bit of an effect that's coming through uh-huh. on every single year. Um, one other question about uh, the college football game and how it affects the draft. What effect is the transfer portal? had on the draft players jumping from school to school do you think it has any tangible effect or is that just a college football uh thing that they're dealing with and teams can improve teams can find help elsewhere maybe balances out college football a little does that have any effect on the draft you know in some ways it may complicate matters for scouts in others it may actually open things up for instance let's look on the positive side on the on the positive side you know, let's say a player, you know, spends his first three years at school A, um, you know, West Virginia Tech, whatever. I'm just making it up. And then they transfer to, you know, Alabama State. And the last year you're going to be looked at by a different scout. For instance, the area scout up in the, you know, the Northeast or the Pennsylvania, you know, the kind of mid-Atlantic area. They're going to have eyes on them for the first part of their career, and then they're going to get viewed out, viewed by a different area scout. So that's going to give a little bit of a different perspective. Plus, if those two teams run different systems, offense or defense, whatever side of the ball our imaginary prospect is on, you know, you may have a good idea of, okay, he's a better fit in this type of scheme than he is in that type of scheme. On the other hand, it can stunt development. You know, you, you transfer into a school where you think you're, getting a starting job, and then all of a sudden somebody beats you out. Maybe it's a really good player, but still, if you're not starting as a senior or your final year or your, you know, whatever your last stop on the train, if you will, you know, that may mar your draft stock to the point where, wow, maybe I should have stayed put or I should have transferred to another school. You know, the grass isn't always greener at the next location. So, I, look, I'm all for the transfer portal. I think it's added a layer of excitement. It's extended the college season where – you know, obviously for basketball, there's a lot of movement right now. We just had JT Daniels transfer in football to West Virginia. You know, there's still movement at a time when college football typically was dormant. So, you know, from a fan perspective, I think it's great. The student athletes have more options. Does it get overused? Perhaps. But still, you know, it's the kind of flexibility from a, from a sporting perspective that we love. From the draft, though, it can make some matters, I think, a little bit more muddled. And I think in some ways it may, you know, kind of open some eyes on players and give you a, a perspective that we wouldn't normally have had before or not as easily had because there were transfers before, but it, it wasn't this, this freeway of, uh, of movement that we have now, and it's, it's a lot easier, obviously. So the answer is I think it could help, and it could also hurt depending on the situation. Understood. Our buddy Eric Ed Elm from Yahoo Sports, draft analyst, our guest here on CBS Sports Radio. All right. I want to ask about two individual players who, depending on whose belief, how they look at uh, players coming into a draft, we, we've gotten a lot of debate on them. Uh, two guys who I think are just stone-cold freak talents, but they both have a question mark attached to them. The first is Kyle Hamilton. I think he's yep. still the unquestioned best safety in the draft. It's not even close as far as I'm concerned. I think there's a chance he might be the best football player in the draft. Five years from now, ten years from now, we look back, well, who's sure. the old Kyle Hamilton was. But he had a uh, not great, 
bunch of efforts at the combine, didn't test well. And then in his individual workout day, he once again ran significantly slowly, and you're supposed to be able to run faster at your pro day than you are at the combine. That wasn't the case with Kyle Hamilton. To me, he just looked like one of those guys who may run slow but play fast. And I'll take a guy who can run slow and play fast over a guy who runs fast and plays slow every day of the week. Uh, Some people have him going in the top five. Others have him dropping down into the 20s. I saw one mock draft had him going to the Patriots at 21. That's a massive swing. What is your rating of Kyle Hamilton? Yeah, boy, if if – if they let him get to New England, <laughs> I would I would be I think the Patriots would run that card up, and I think that would apply to a number of teams in the, in the you know in the in the five or six picks before that. I mean, I understand why some people there's a positional value, right? You rank quarterback at the top, there you know maybe it's a receiver, edge rusher, tackle, you know a handful more that are on that next tier, and so on and so forth, and. And I feel like we, we, we treat safeties like we treat tight ends, right? They better be darn special. At least that seems to be what the, the view of the position is uh, in order for me to consider drafting them high, right? And, you know, I wouldn't say Isaiah Simmons has been a bust so far. I mean, he's been a little bit more of a linebacker than a safety, and he's sort of come in and flashed a little bit of his ability. And, but, you know, has he played like the number eight pick in the draft yet? You know, debatable. Uh, you know, obviously Jamal Adams went number six, I believe. And, you know, even though he was traded for a King's ransom, I think you'd be hard pressed to say that, you know, he's matched his draft slot. And so a lot of that has to do with the position, unless they're an Ed Reed type of quality, you know, it's, it's hard to justify, but so that's part of it. And you're right. The workout, the four, seven at his pro day was disappointing. Like, like you, I watched the tape and I see a guy who can cover a lot of ground in a hurry. His instincts kind of give him a head start, if you will. You know, he's able to break on the ball while, while before some players even realize what's going on in the same position. So I think he's rare. I think he's special. I'm not worried about the speed because he does have that, that field, field fast quality. But, you know, if you told me he ended up going 12th to the Vikings or something like that or a pick or two after that, I wouldn't be completely stunned. We saw Derwin James. You know, and he had injury questions, but, you know, he fell to, what, 17th, I want to say? To me, that was a highway robbery, even for a guy that, you know, has, has battled some ailments along the way. You know, you take special players when you get the opportunity to take them. So if, if, if Kyle Hamilton's still there in the, in the late teens, I think I would personally be a little bit surprised. The other guy I want to ask you about is Thibodeau. Um, yeah. Before the year started, people had him as 1-1 that he was the top prospect in all of football, had some injury issues his senior year or his uh, draft-eligible year at Oregon, um, but has once again, if you look at the tape from last year, you see how special he is, and he's got more bursts than anybody as far as pass rushes go, and they've got some really good pass rushers in this draft. He's talking a little trash, saying that if I'm not the first pick in the NFL draft, then somebody should be fired, and that's a joke. Uh, I don't have an issue with it. That's just confidence, borderline cocky, and he hasn't proven that he can't do it in the NFL yet. So if he Mm -hmm. believes he's going to do it, let him go out and do it. I would use a really high draft pick on him to do so, like maybe 1A. Um, 
what's the feeling about him around the NFL? Are there teams that are worried about his not playing much as uh, last year, that he is a little bit of a cocky guy, didn't do what they wanted to do in interview me- in meetings and or uh, at the right. combine? Is he going to pay a price? Uh, because I think he is easily the most talented edge rusher in this draft. Yeah, he, he's a fascinating player. I mean, he really has all the ability in the world. Like you said, the confidence to back it up, too. I mean, uh, you know, lacks a little bit of fluidity and, and, you know, his impact. I mean, you could watch him and maybe the first quarter he has a sack and a, a tackle for loss and a tip ball, and then you may not hear his name again till the till the fourth quarter. I mean, he does have some, you know, hot and cold patches where you, you, don't, you, you forget he's out there at times and then other patches where he's – the most dominant player on the field. So there's a little bit of a hot and cold quality to him, but back to the personality stuff that you kind of brought up, I think, you know, and sometimes NFL teams overthink this stuff. I mean, I've heard people give, you know, dissertations about players character and I get it. I know why that they, they spend so much time figuring out who the person is as much as they do figure out who the player is, because, you know, that's where probably your most misses are. But I also think there is a, uh, you know, a, a fill point where you can just get past the point of sort of psychoanalyzing every guy. But it's hard not to when you have a player who I, – I was at the Combine and he did his media session and, and Thibodeau said something to the effect of, you know, look, I'm a, I'm a tape junkie. I'm, a, I'm paraphrasing here, but, you know, I watch a lot of my tape. No coach can tell me something about myself that I don't already know. And, you know – you understood what he was saying. He was saying, look, I put, I put in the work. No one can question my work ethic. I do it. But what he also seemed to be saying is that I know my own game. Uh, you know, some coach tells me that you're not good at X, Y, or Z. You know, it's hard for a team not to take that in a way. But within an hour of him saying that to the media, there aren't scouts out there. Believe me, it got back to him pretty fast. I already had a guy that I had asked about Thibodeau kind of saying, were you there when he said this? And I said, yeah. He said, was that how it went? And I said, yeah, that's how it went. And I think there are certain teams in the top 10 that just decide he may be a good football player, but he's not for us. I do think he's in play for Detroit at number two, though. They've spent a lot of time working on him. Uh, they've, they've gone out there. They were at his pro day. They did a private workout with him. And they, they're looking at him. And if, if Aiden Hutchinson goes one, Kayvon Thibodeau, I think, is one of the two or three players most likely to go number two. But if they pass on him, I don't know. I don't know about Houston at, at, at three. I don't know about the Jets at four. I don't know about the Giants at five. Those are, those are three teams I could see passing on him. And, you know, the Giants and Jets pick again shortly after that. Would right. they consider him on the way back? I don't know. It's, it's a really interesting question. He could go two. He could slip a little. I don't think he's going six because Carolina may not need another S rusher. So, again, it's it's more of a numbers game, I think. There are certain teams that, like Detroit may say, we really like him, but this other player we're just going to feel a little safer about. And then how far does he go? Does he get to Seattle at nine? Does Atlanta jump on him at eight? You know, all those options are on the table. I wrote at the combine. I didn't know that he was a slam dunk top five pick, and I think that holds up. But Detroit, my opinion is the Lions could be the team that that prevent that free fall. If they pass on him, hard to know where he goes. Two or potential drop. I see where you're coming from. All right, two more quickies. Yeah. Number one, Kenny Pickett's not going to be at the draft. They invited 21 yep. players, two quarterbacks are showing. Um, 
not Kenny Pickett as one of them. Have you heard anything? Do you read anything into that? No, because we've had, you know, we've had top picks not show up at the draft before. I, you know, from what I understand, he's going to be at home in New Jersey. He's going to be with his fiance and his family. Now, separate from that, completely independent of that, if you start thinking about Kenny Pickett where he could land, all of a sudden it's it's if you assume Carolina is going to go offensive tackle, let's say, let's say they're not enamored with any of these guys, and let's say no quarterback has gone prior to that point. I know there's talk about Malik Willis at two, but again, just under this assumption that we get past the sixth pick, both you know every quarterback is still on the board, and then at some point. Malik Willis goes off in the next five, six, eight picks, whatever it may be. I don't know what the number is, but boy, I, you know, you start looking for a place where Pickett naturally fits and a team that isn't feeling pretty, you know, you know, isn't worried about their, their, their quarterback situation. You know, there's a lot of them that already have their starter in place and they may feel like there's a luxury pick and this and that. I don't know. I don't know where he fits. That's a fascinating one. You might start seeing teams come up from the bottom, you know, from round two into round one. Uh, you want that fifth year option. It's great. Great to have for a quarterback, but you know, it's, it's hard to find his natural landing spot now, but yeah, I, it, this really is going to be one of the more interesting storylines. I don't think the invitation, you know, I think he was invited to the draft. I think he said, no, thank you. I appreciate it. I'm going to stay at home. So we've seen it before. The interesting one is Matt Corral. I didn't, you know, I didn't assume Matt Corral was going to be there. Maybe Desmond Ritter turned it down. I don't have intel on that. Uh, maybe he's quarterback three. You never know. You know, Seattle's been a team that's done a lot of work on Corral. So there, there's some interesting possibilities for him going in round one. Could we have four QBs? Maybe. It's, there is intrigue in this draft. I know people have, have struggled to find it, but I think it's there. And, and this is one of the big storylines. I actually like Corral and would not be surprised if he goes in the first sure. round. All right, so that's one guy I like. Last question is the guy that you like. As you're checking out other mock drafts and you have got a guy that you think everyone, NFL teams maybe from your sources, other mock drafters are underrating, the guy you're waiting a year or two to go, see, I told you guys, uh, <laughs> everyone had him mocked in the fourth round. I told you he was a second-round pick, or I saw him as a first-round talent. How he ever got to day two, I don't know. Who's that guy for you? Good question. Uh, one who's going to be fascinating to see where he ends up going. I know it's not a sexy position necessarily. Last year was with Kyle Pitts, but Jelani Woods, a tight end, tight end out of Virginia. Now, I don't know that a lot of people knew his name, certainly not prior to last season. He was at Oklahoma State. He was a blocker. They were, you know, running the ball with 12 personnel a lot. He was kind of their their sixth uh, offensive lineman in a lot of cases. And all of a sudden he transfers to Virginia shows off this great athleticism. He's a legit six foot seven, 255 pounds. He goes to the combine, runs a four, six, great jumping drills, like really outstanding workout. You know, I had watched him throughout the fall and thought, wow, why isn't there more buzz on this guy? I'm shocked, right? He's never going to be a true deep threat, but he can run. And, you know, he's, he's good. So figuring out who tight end one is, this year is going to be really interesting. Is it Trey McBride? Is it Greg Dolchich? Is it Woods? Is it somebody else? I don't really know where he's going to go because his workouts were phenomenal. How high do you take a guy who profiles like, you know, Mercedes Lewis, early career Mercedes? He was pretty good. I mean, he's stuck around for a long time, too. Yeah. 
that that's an interesting player right there. I really think that he could crack the top 50 or he could have to wait a little because he's really a one-year guy. So that's, that's one that I think will be better than, than people realize in some respects. And I can't wait to see where he lands. When he gets picked, uh, my expression, oh, that's, that's Eric Edholm's guy. That's I will guy. attach yeah. you to him for the draft and forever, <laughs> how many years we go forward. I hope uh, you, you've hit it uh, on the head because uh, that's always one of the fun things of the draft, one of the fun things when yeah. we get you on, Eric. Thank you much for doing so. No, it's a busy time of year. Thanks for carving out some for us. I appreciate it, man. Great hearing your voice again. Talk to you soon. My pleasure. Eric Edholm, NFL draft expert for YahooSports.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.